Where are we, Nigel? Where so, are we? <laughs> we, are, we are live at the... We are live at the Webster Flea Market. Yeah. Um, We're here. We are here at the Webster Flea Market, which is a wild place uh, in, I guess, in uh, Sumter County. In Sumter County. Yeah. Um, we are in depth into the world of antique flea market extravaganza um, and flea market people watching. Yeah. It's been very interesting. Becky and I just finished off a dozen mini donuts. Each. Each. (laughs) (laughs) We're sitting here. Um, And um, this is the sights and the sounds of the the Webster Flea Market. We'll probably walk around a little bit here in a second. Yeah, I bought a really awesome uh, bird feeder that I'll talk about later, but it's been getting all the looks as I've been walking around here very popular item and um, we'll post a picture of that on the Instagram Um, but um, all right welcome to the materialist podcast Welcome to the Materialist Podcast, episode four. The fourth episode. Yes. <laughs> Are we going to be able to remember, like, going forward, which number episode oh, that we're on? Oh, I will on? remember. Okay. I'm very organized. Becky, would you like to introduce yourself? I just introduced you, but... <laughs> My name is Becky O'Sullivan. I am the public archaeology coordinator at the West Central Office of the Florida Public Archaeology Network in beautiful Tampa, Florida. And my name is Nigel Rudolph. I am the public archaeology coordinator with the Florida Public Archaeology Network Central Region in Crystal River. And we are once again recording the Materialist podcast out of my home in Gainesville. A.K.A. our luxurious studio space. Uh, in my office, and you'll notice my new carpet. I like it. Yes, the it's carpet nice. helps with the sound. Yeah, it looks very muffling. Muffling. <laughs> <laughs> so episode four, what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about stuff again, because that's what we talk about, right? Would you say that the objects that you have in your house, did they spark joy for you? 
That's funny that you asked that because um, I've heard that phrase a lot lately <laughs> in my house uh, about the objects, uh, whether or not they spark joy. And some of them do and some of them don't. Well, do you ever like hold them in your hands and like look at them and specifically ask yourself if they um, spark joy to you? I don't. <laughs> I just got to be honest about that. I just, I That's totally fine. Don't. I don't either because I love every object in my house and I don't want to get rid of it. But <laughs> I think one thing that inspired me to want to, you know, have a podcast episode about thrift shops yeah. and what happens to, you know, the objects that we have is rolling around in pop culture at the moment. And that's if you have Netflix or, you know, you've seen the the show, The Art of Tidying Up mm. um, with Marie Kondo and the book, like the KonMari method. So like getting, you know, going through all the stuff that, you know, you have in your house and asking yourself, does this object spark joy? And if it does, then you keep it. And if it doesn't, then you thank it. You literally say thank you to mm. that object and then you ship it off to Goodwill or the thrift <laughs> shop or wherever it goes. Mm. So I think it's interesting to think about those objects that um, people get rid of, whether it's because they don't spark joy anymore yeah. or people are cleaning up the clutter and where do those objects go to where's like right. the island of misfit toys island. that all these things yeah. go to the, the the shop of joyless objects <laughs> right um but maybe they'll spark joy for someone else yeah. so i think it's interesting to think about that especially when we're making so many new objects every day what happens to these these objects that get donated and that people buy and reuse in, in different ways but this episode, we're going to visit one of my favorite places and talk about one of my favorite things, one of my favorite pastimes What's that? to do is to go to thrift shops. Oh, yes. Yeah. And we actually had the privilege of visiting probably one of the largest flea markets, certainly in North Florida. I don't know. The ones down in South, like there's that one huge one in Fort Lauderdale. The Swap Shop? The Swap Shop. I've been to that. I have. They don't have an antique shop, like antique part for that. That's just like, yeah. So this is certainly one of the biggest uh, antique and flea market sales in all of Florida. And it is in... I forgot. <laughs> Webster. Webster. <laughs> the Webster <laughs> Flea Market. The Webster <laughs> Flea Market. Uh, so we visited the Webster Flea Market this morning on a rainy day, a rainy Monday morning. The Webster Flea Market is only open on Mondays yeah. um, at certain times a year. Um, and it was more or less off season, so it wasn't in its full gusto. Yeah, not as resplendent as yes. it usually Ooh. is. So I think one of the things that I am particularly interested in and when it comes to thrift stores and, and, and antique shops in like a, a sort of a different sense, um, antique shops are kind of a different universe than like a thrift store. Right. right. And I think that what we're kind of like, well, what I think we're kind of going to talk about more in this episode is, you know, some antiques, but not like the fancy high dollar right. antique stores we're talking right. about places that are like a little more jumbled up mm -hmm. you find like mm -hmm. some more recent stuff you know 
Yeah, and I think it's far more interesting to go into those antique shops that are dusty. Yeah. That uh, you really have to look through the booths to find every little uh, every little object. But when it comes to differentiating between the uh, the high end antique shop and a thrift store Mm -hmm. um you know prices could be comparable um but the objects are what's different right and Mm -hmm. so um what i found really interesting about talking to some of the vendors today at the flea market was it's really all about the objects yeah (laughs) you know and that's sort of i wasn't exactly thinking that the one guy he was talking about how he retired from the u.s postal service and um he'd always really been into objects and interestingly um the show american pickers was a huge influence to him and i I bet you that if we would have talked to a lot of the vendors in that place that were of a particular age, we would mm-hmm. have gotten a similar response from them and how American pickers um, and, and shows like that and, and the excitement that that these well-edited, <laughs> um, <laughs> possibly completely fake shows um, show to the viewers that there's this exciting life of buying mm-hmm. and selling of objects to the public. Right. And – The other kind of thread I took from that of like, you know, how people got into it is also that they kind of came up like as a kid, like that their parents were into dealing antiques or going to yard sales and they just kind of like got the bug and kind of got into it. Yeah, as well. like that one young guy who yeah. was uh, said he started selling at like age seven. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty interesting. And he was right. probably, uh, I think he said he was thirty three, and he he was selling. Um, he really wanted me to buy that Japanese robot. It was pretty cool. It he was, was going to give cool. you a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool. So I have a quote that I think might be interesting. It's from a really famous book in historical archaeology that's also a good read if you're not an archaeologist, so it's a very enjoyable book. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. Um, in Small Things Forgotten, The Archaeology of Early American Life by James Dietz. So in, at the end of the book, he says, It's terribly important that the small things forgotten be remembered. For in the seemingly little and insignificant things that accumulate to create a lifetime, the essence of our existence is captured. We must remember these bits and pieces, and we must use them in new and imaginative ways so that a different appreciation for what life is today and was in the past can be achieved. The written document has its proper and important place, but there is also a time when we should set aside our perusal of diaries, court records, and inventories and listen to another voice. Don't read what we have written. Look at what we have done. How would you sum that up? Well, what's interesting about that book and like what it kind of like captures in this quote is that, and going back to like, you know, as archaeologists, that it is the small things forgotten, these everyday objects that we use and then get rid of eventually that add up to a life or what, what we can understand about a past life. That's what tells the story. Right. And so it's the, the individual objects but then also those objects together as a kind of like a collection or whatever that add up to all the activities that we do, the places we've been, you know, the stories from our lives. And so you can read about, you know, what someone was like in the past, but 
it's the things that that person did and especially reflected in the objects that they had that really gives you like the true picture mm-hmm. of of who that person was yeah yeah, and I think it's really fascinating when you look at it from a really broad perspective, too, of these these large um, thrift stores and flea markets like we went to today that have this material culture stretching back to you know thousands of years ago. Right? They had uh, we didn't see a ton of prehistoric. Um, yeah, I was happy that we yeah, didn't. <laughs> me too. super happy. I was actually really there worried. were a few, but um, not anything yeah. super crazy. Yeah, some kind of guy selling flakes for like thirty dollars. Like, this one's eighty dollars. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> um, but it was just really fascinating um, when you're looking at material culture to see in one space in one area being hawked, or right. is this you know ten thousand years of material culture right, yeah. really all over the world too, which <laughs> yeah. is really interesting. So I I was trying to find you. We 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 parked on opposite ends of this <laughs> yeah. this. Um, I don't know how big the flea the flea market is. It's like pretty big acreage, but it's it, it seemed to me to be like fifty football fields. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it's like one square mile of flea market, um, and we parked at complete opposite sides of it. So I was over on the side that was more of the flea market stuff, and that right. and that was blowing my mind as it is. And so, um, you know, each one of the booths are these, these bulk products, right? So, like, if you want 10 cases of white tube socks, you know, <laughs> this is the place to go to. If you want case after case after case of, you know, insure dietary supplements, this, <laughs> right. is, this is the aisle to go down. Yeah. Right. Um, or hats or um, neon green shirts with yeah. cats on them or, or whatever. Yeah, like Bedazzled purses with crosses on them. Right. You know? <laughs> um, this is the section to go to. But then there was also like a huge grocery section yeah. that was like bulk bulk groceries mm-hmm. and then there was uh, an actually a really awesome looking produce section um so there were people there um that were coming f- to to shop for you know their weekly groceries. Right, yeah like sam's club or like right. the grocery store or right, whatever right. Just, yeah and so you could really it was really distinct that the um the socioeconomic differences that were on either side mm-hmm. and also the ethnic differences that yeah. were on either side of these um, this um, huge outdoor flea market. And, and, you know, on the west side um, where all the antiques are, right. it's definitely a particular type of person. Now, everybody was over there, but it, the majority of it was a very particular type of person that was looking to purchase antiques right right? yeah antique memorabilia um you know and not just like buying like old furniture like buying like antique furniture and like yeah like things for your home yeah so there was pretty dramatic differences in the types of folks that were on either side of that thrift Mm -hmm. store so it's really kind of an amazing scene kind of uh experience just this this like american americanness Right. right throughout yeah. this like just really compacted and all of it's like permutations yeah exactly <laughs> yes. it, was, it was pretty wild yeah yeah it's pretty wild but That's you did cool. pick up something i did i did would you like to tell the listeners um what you picked up sure yeah i got um i got a really interesting object it's a bird feeder that's made out of an old probably like 1920s or something like coffee percolator and it's like the the bottom of the the coffee pot metal coffee pot thing is like cut out then there's like chicken wire or something that's like 
attached to it and then on the bottom is this like aluminum like old and like vintage aluminum like plate thing that's like the bottom of the bird feeder yeah yeah and i have to say that like that thing is like catnip for old ladies yeah. like every old lady <laughs> that we walked by <laughs> like i was holding that thing was like ooh, what's that yeah it even and <laughs> i i was holding it for a for a second um and uh it, the, like these people were coming out of nowhere like oh where did you find that that is the most interesting thing wow and i was like yeah this old dude's selling it right over there you know, more. he was wearing a hat with pictures of the great lakes on them so i'm guessing he's not from around these parts yeah. but but yeah it was cool and i liked um kind of like going back to the the quote I had from um, Dietz, like when he's talking about that we have to reuse these objects in new ways so that we can like give them a new life and like use yeah. them again. Right. And I thought, I don't know. I mean, it's a bird feeder, but it, I thought it was kind of cool. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm never going to use like a coffee percolator from like 1925. Like it's probably has like yeah. lead in it or something, <laughs> yeah. but um, <laughs> reusing it as like a, cool object to feed birds in my backyard i thought was um pretty neat and i think one thing we were talking to one of the gentlemen that was a vendor the guy that had the outside booth Mm -hmm. um he was he was talking about how he's he's going to sell at at the flea market for a couple more months and then he's going to have a big yard sale at his house and whatever doesn't go is going to goodwill Mm -hmm. so it's like this everything is coming full circle and it's ending at places like goodwill right so similar to like the marie kondo things like stuff is ending back there yeah do you like do you like shopping at goodwill like do you get do you go and like shop at thrift store Things like that, like for clothes or like for that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I go there for clothes, and uh, I, I go there for some things. the The goodwill in our town isn't really all that, like, really inexpensive. Oh, inexpensive. Yeah, I was. I would think that in Gainesville it would be pretty good though, because you have all those like sororities and stuff where they're like required to like you know give yeah. things to charity. It, it's good. <laughs> it's good. I mean, we 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 are all for. Um, you know, going to thrift stores I and love buying it. stuff. Yeah. I and, find like, I mean, I love antiquing and like going to yard sales and that kind of thing. But, um, I love like shopping for clothes at like secondhand stores, whether that's like Goodwill or yeah. um, other ones. Cause I think, I don't know. I don't want to like bring any new clothes into the world yeah. if possible. No, it's true. Um, it's true. But it's also like, um, enjoyable and I like I like wearing vintage clothes too so if I can find some like old lady dresses um, <laughs> that makes me pretty happy too you could get wear an old lady <laughs> dress and carry around your bird feeder and yeah like... that'll be set <laughs> that'll be like yeah I have an old lady aesthetic so it's so good. just for our um, uh, the interest of our uh, listeners I I, I just because I, I didn't know the history of Goodwill and I didn't know really too much about what Goodwill was um, but Goodwill was founded in 1902 by uh, in Boston by Reverend Edgar Edgar J. Helms, a Methodist minister and a, quote, social innovator. But his whole purpose was to collect used household goods and clothing in wealthier areas of the city. Then he trained and hired those who were poor to mend and repair the used goods, and the goods were then resold and were given to the people who repaired them. 
And uh, those of you that have been to Goodwills, you know that there's still hiring folks that probably would have difficulty getting jobs at other locations. Hey, yeah. um, so, uh, you know, I think the philosophy of Goodwill is, is certainly really sound. I mean, it's really like a great philosophy. And mm-hmm. I think it's super interesting that how the thrift store world kind of started um, post-Industrial uh, Revolution um, when there was so much more stuff being produced right. that rather than the wealthy handing it down to subsequent generations, the generations, right, they were getting rid of stuff so they could get more stuff. Right. And I think the other thing that's interesting, too, is that not only is, you know, when we see things like Goodwill and then like thrift stores in general kind of come into being um, in the history of this country, I mean, it was a time like, you know, we're making more things. We have, you know, industrial production of objects and clothes and fabrics. So, you know, they weren't as precious as they had been before. But it's also a time in our country when we see a greater influx of immigration. So we have people coming from countries that aren't capitalist countries that don't have the same kind of consumer culture that, you know, we have developed here in, in the United States. And so in a way, places like Goodwill and these like thrift stores were a way to train these new immigrants in American consumer culture Mm. of buying like these new objects that are, you know, pretty cheap because they're kind of like hand-me-downs and like secondhand, but kind of training them up in this this new way of purchasing and um, buying the things that they are told that they need right. <laughs> for their everyday lives. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're this kind of um, training ground for capitalism too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's super fascinating. And um, from a cultural perspective, I, I, you know, just the, just the diversity of the types of people that were there and that are even at your small flea markets in your, mm-hmm. your, your local community, you know, it's not, doesn't even have to be these massive, like, you know, city, <laughs> friggin' city block size. It's huge, yeah. It's huge. It doesn't even have to be these large these large flea markets to actually kind of get an idea of uh, the world diversity that's in your community. So mm-hmm. it's a really wonderful place from that kind of perspective. Yeah, and, um, you know, even at your regular, like, secondhand shops, you know, there's lots of different reasons that people shop at them, yeah. whether that's, like, environmental or, you know, cost Mm -hmm. or um even now because it's like cool to do Mm -hmm. um the kids these days (laughs) you know like throbbing uh shopping at like thrift stores and like secondhand stores is actually kind of cool if you go on youtube and you search for come thrift with me videos you'll see there's all these videos of pretty much like teenage and like younger women going to like Goodwill and thrift shops and like buying these, all this like huge amount of clothes, like eighties high-waisted mom jeans and like old, like Adidas jackets, like vintage clothes, like all kinds of stuff. And then wearing those as like a kind of like a fashion choice, which is cool because like 10 years ago on YouTube, it was totally the opposite of people going to like high-end stores buying like a bunch of like designer clothing Mm -hmm. and then like making a YouTube video of, you know, trying all that on Mm -hmm. and like going through all their purchases. So now it's totally flipped to this other side where it's 
more cool and interesting to go to Goodwill and like buy a bunch of stuff from like the nineties and like yeah. wear mom jeans and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> that's just my, my humble opinion. Um, yeah, I think it's really fascinating how, like, culturally things have things have shifted to yeah. that to that idea of reuse and more focused on rather than the disposability of, of right. material objects mm-hmm. um, into into the reuse of them and and, and even the fixing of them now. Right? Mm-hmm. There's this all this new thing too that. Um, my wife Cheyenne was telling me about um, embracing the torn objects, uh, like objects that are ripped and need mending, and it, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and really focus on the the mending aspects of these. But and making, making it obvious own. that right. it's like mended. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. So a lot of interesting stuff happening in reference to that kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, what's your object? So my object, I, I didn't. Uh, I when I go to the uh, flea markets and um, thrift stores, I have a hard time buying things, and um, I think I, th- I think I'm naturally a purger. Um, mm-hmm. I like to get rid of stuff, and that's really bizarre as not only a archaeologist but a maker of objects. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I, I don't like it. I think it would be different if I didn't live in a tiny ass house. One thing that really caught my eye were these antique oil cans like car oil cans and i'll put a picture on the uh, the instagram um but my first question is why um i understand i understand car culture Mm -hmm. um i i like cars a lot if i had all the money in the world i would buy lots of cars i think cars are super cool so I, i guess i get that but it's not like it's i mean it's a significant part of automobiles but I guess I don't understand the collectability of of an uh, an oil can. It, they're like a really weird, like ephemeral object. Like it's right. like, yeah, you're collecting something that's literally like a can that's meant to use oil. Like it's holding oil for yeah. like you to change the oil in your car one time and then like throw it out. And then like, throw it away. Who right. was the person that, yeah, like kept them? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm changing my oil in 1960 and I think I'll keep this <laughs> like oil can just yeah. for posterity. Like maybe my grandkids will want it one day. Like, I don't know. And so two, I guess I understand from a, a graphic design perspective yeah, that yeah. some of the graphics on there are pretty interesting and the logos from like Pennzoil and a lot of these old um, manufacturers um, are really kind of visually interesting. But one thing is like, how did these things stay? Like some of the ones that I'll put a picture of are like in mint condition. Yeah. No oil in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what person, like you said, changed their oil in 1961, <laughs> 1955, you know. Right. And then meticulously wiped the oil off the outside of this label put it in a storage and said oh you know i'm gonna keep this they're paper labeled um aluminum cans Mm -hmm. you know that are wrapped in cardboard and paper um they don't seem even remotely sturdy right Right. and like how much did that cost like back in the day when it was made like yeah a quarter or something right probably less than that and now like because they are these like they were these everyday objects that are meant to be thrown away, but somehow they've survived. They're like way more expensive. Like I'm sure those ones were like 50 bucks plus. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. You know? And yeah. So that's, that's my object for this episode is, um, 
are these these the old, survivors? Uh, this, yeah, these these <laughs> antique oil cans. Um, but the little tiny like I don't even know how much it was. Like a but yeah, a that's quart. the thing. I They're like valuable because. They survived. Yeah, and I would have I would have purchased one if I didn't in the back of my head think about all the other pointless shit I had. In <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like shit that in like six months I'm going to be like, why right. do I have this old oil can? I'm going to take it to Goodwill. Well, and it's not like it's something you can like repurpose. What are you going to? Yeah. You're not going to like eat out of it. Right, it like right, had like. Right oil in it I so could put it inside i could put you it don't outside. want it like yeah. in your house you think your like baby can like chew right. on it or something <laughs> it's like old like lead oil can yeah. thing it's a glimpse into true american culture like the automobile and right, america's yeah. obsession with the yeah automobile. yeah those everyday those everyday moments of uh changing your oil in the past <laughs> yeah. that's funny so <laughs> we were uh a- after walking around for a, a couple of hours through the, yeah, the thrift yeah. and uh, antique areas of the the Webster flea market we stopped and gorged ourselves on um uh mini donuts from yeah. <laughs> from a little truck and drank some sweet tea and recorded a little bit while sitting at the table the the sounds of the thrift store but um we had the opportunity to chat with a couple of women Terry and Kim Terry and Kim from Kentucky. Kentucky sisters. I know they were so nice to talk to us. They probably thought we were totally insane. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know what. I I was. We were recording, um, <laughs> and uh, I said that we had just gorged ourselves on uh, twelve mini donuts each. each. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they started laughing. So I was like, okay, well they're listening to us. So that kind of <laughs> gave me the prompt to talk to them. So we're gonna play a real quick clip of that. Um, but why are you guys here? Well, this is my sister Kim. Hi, Kim. Hi, I'm Terry I'm from Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, where about originally? Uh, Campbellsville is our our home, but Elizabethtown. We're about uh, seventy-five miles from Louisville. Or Lexington. I live in Lexington. I live in Lexington. Louisville are kind of the big towns. Yeah. And so we, my husband and I are, are snowbirds. I guess he mm-hmm. does not like to be called that because he's actually a got a Florida driver's license. <laughs> so we're like halfway did. there. Yeah. 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 Right. I won't do it. That's too much of a commitment. To me. So, um, we're getting ready to leave this weekend, but they've, oh, cool. they've come to visit us. We came to week. visit their Her little hacienda. Excellent. Yes. Yes. We've been here a week. We're in up in... Uh, we're in Inglis. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. My, kind of the forgotten coast. Yeah, my yeah, my yeah. office is in Crystal River, actually. Oh, okay. I live in Gainesville, but my office yeah, is in Yeah, Nigel is over there all the time. Because we see, yeah, we've seen Crystal river everywhere yeah at the archaeological state park yes i've been there yes i kept wanting to go to the moon over the map yep, yeah nigel like one. leads some of the tours oh, and does all yeah. that so oh, if you go next thing? year he'll yes. be there so, well, yeah. definitely, definitely yeah well yeah. keep your car yeah yeah, yeah. so antiquing and junking is our thing thing yes yeah. from texas to kentucky yeah, we're in wherever, all in between. Really? Yeah, so our husbands are sitting around somewhere. <laughs> Fine with us. <laughs> well, when, when I was telling her, I've been in, I've been here like the last four Mondays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I would just make it once, and then we just came with, on a motorcycle with other friends, and, and I was telling her about it. She said, we got to go. Yeah. We'll stay in an extra day so we can oh, come. Oh, that's great. So we got up early this morning and drove over, and, you know, we've got all we need. Yeah, for sure. Everything right. that we'll ever need in life. Yeah. So we're a little more 
particular. Mm -hmm. We have a mission. Um, mm -hmm. It might be to buy for somebody else. I bought cigars today. Oh, oh I saw those cigar guys. Had yeah, the best nice. time talking to him. He this was guy. so interesting, and he mm -hmm. even gave us two small ones. Two for women ourselves. cigars. <laughs> <laughs> we Just bought for it for our, our brother in for Kentucky. Brother, yes. And so funny. I said, well, we'll sneak out there and smoke with him. And then he goes, oh, well, if you're going to smoke with him. So little bitty thin ones. And he says, you know, my wife says if you inhale this, you get a little buzz. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, funny. yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So we've, we've, Very we've, had it, we've already bought some things and sent to the car. Mm -hmm. And um, we're just headed out here to see if there's any... That Anything we, we could have missed. Yeah, so. Well, that's cool. So, um, is it just the objects, the stuff that you are kind of attracted to, or is it the the idea of buying like and selling? Hunts. Do you sell stuff no. as well, or you just buy? We can't. It's hard for us to let go of anything. Well, yes. my husband and I went. In, we've been in a little bit of everything. You yeah. name it, we've done it. So we did have a small antique store in Campbellsville, but oh, cool. you've got to have a lot of money. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. You just yeah. can't sell right. yeah. to do it. But it was fun at the time. Right. Um, but we got out of that. But um, it's. I was just telling her that I like. This is kind of a quiet yeah. time for me, even though there's a lot of people yeah. around. If I'm by myself, I really do enjoy just taking my time. And, and walking through. That's great. And then mm -hmm. I'll find something that catches my eye and, and talk to people about it. Well, and we've, I mean, we've, gosh, the things that we have bought and kept and given away, you know, over our lifetime. Well, I, just like a minute ago, you were talking about the Indian, the Indian, um, and well, the, I just bought this. Oh, oh wow! Cool. That's gorgeous. Yeah, and I just thought that this is the kind of stuff oh, that yeah. catches my eye. Yeah, you know, so that's really pretty. Yeah, and it just this is small enough to where I can just set it somewhere. It's a piece of art, mm -hmm. and you know, so that's kind of where I'm. It was between that and a bracelet, and I already had bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I should say because it's like audio that it's a really cool like piece of some kind of you know interesting stone with a little inset like a roadrunner road runner. with mm -hmm. like um, all different sort of you know semi-precious like stones and a little like little birds in the sky mm -hmm. it's really sweet yeah yeah well okay. do you have like specific things you like to collect or that you look for well, right now what I'm looking for is that we have retired my husband and I and we had been in Texas for 42 years and moved back to Kentucky to be with family and so we downsized like three times since we started this about three years ago and that has been the most freeing thing mm -hmm. that I've ever done in my life mm -hmm. you know I collected teapots I collected yo-yos I collected yo-yo yeah. oh, I collected tin toys um, tin toys, teapots. teapots, you know, I had hundreds of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That's just what I loved looking for. Yeah. And once, you know, I got rid of all that stuff, it was just, it was awesome, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So now everything is very specific, yeah. you know, that, that I look for. So right now I'm looking for mid-century, just tall, Gaudy, gaudy <laughs> vases, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like what the Mad Hatter might have in the tea yeah. party or something, you know, oh, so nice. very specific. Yeah. But um, we lost our mom about five or six years ago, so mm -hmm. when we cleaned out her house, we swore that if we took two boxes home, then we had to get rid of three. But I thought, like, it was interesting what... Um, 
Terry was talking about when she was talking about, we asked her like, you know, what she collects and she was talking about all the stuff that she used to collect and how she like got rid of all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And she felt like Mm -hmm. so much better about it than she, and I'm sure that all those things that she got rid of ended up in some antique shop that someone else Mm -hmm. like who collects that stuff ended up kind of buying it. I know. I actually (laughs) wanted to bring up Murray Kondo right then. (laughs) Those things not give you joy. They did not spark joy. Um, Yeah. And and she also said something really interesting at the beginning about how uh, they have everything that they need in life, Mm -hmm. right? Material possessions. They have all the material possessions they need. So they can, they have the privilege to be a little bit more choosy about the things that they're purchasing. And so unlike the people that were on the East side of the, the Webster flea market that are there literally buying the stuff that they need for the week, the food, the groceries, the necessities in life. You know, they were being really particular about the objects that they were purchasing there because they have been there, kind of done that. And so I think that that is really uh, symbolic of a lot of the folks that were on that that other side of of the of the flea market that were being more choosy with the the purchase of these antique objects, right? Because you really don't need... Right. And you don't I need think, this stuff. Right. And I think it is good to be choosy about those objects that we don't need. Right. Yeah. Because nothing on that West side with the antiques is something that you need, like right. what is, you know, that you actually need. It's not like, you know, food or stuff that you need um, for your house. But I think it's good to be choosy about those objects because those objects that you surround yourself with, they become a part of your life and they become a part of the person that you are and the way that you present yourself to the world. So if you choose to like Hmm. surround yourself with a bunch of problematic stuff, (laughs) it's not good. Right. So, um, it is good to, to keep only those things that, um, spark joy for you. And it's good, especially for all of us who like shopping at thrift stores, because when you get rid of your stuff, then I get to, Go through all the things that you uh, got rid of. I can't tell you, like, Goodwill was so good, like, after the after the winter break because so many people went and got rid of a bunch of, like, crap that they had. <laughs> probably because they were, like, binge-watching, like, that yeah. the art of tidying up. So Goodwill was like it was like an antique store up yeah. in there. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, we're not we're not in any way plugging Marie Kondo or the art yeah. of tidying it up. Like yeah, but that's the thing. It's all about getting rid of all these things and like only keep the things that spark joy and like you know blah blah. Yeah. But really, the art of tidying up and Marie Kondo, it's just another way for capitalism and consumer culture to make you buy more stuff to get rid of stuff. Yeah. So all the things that society is telling you, you need to like surround yourself with now, you know, because you have so much stuff, you have to buy a book and watch a Netflix show Mm. so that you can learn how to get rid of those things. And so that you can then like buy very specific storage containers and store your things in very specific ways. Like, you know, she teaches you. So it's just like consumer culture, dressed up as this you know minimalist thing yeah we sure do love our consumption (laughs) they get you coming and going you know consumption (laughs) of material culture right okay so now we're um going to talk about some of those problematic objects that you find Mm -hmm. at venues such as thrift shops or even antique shops even the high-end antique shops that represent um, really dark times in, in U.S. history and world history. Um, not, lots of Nazi stuff, 
um, and lots of racist memorabilia. Um, And that's kind of been in the press lately and sort of contemporaneously with the Civil War monument um, debate. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you think about it, these stores like antique shops, thrift stores, all these objects are coming from the homes of individual people who make up the communities that make up this country. And so in a way, these places are like museums to these everyday people, these, you know, people that live in our towns live next to us. And so you're going to see things that are, you know, everyday objects that we all have that we remember from when when we were kids. Like we, you know, how many Mm -hmm. things did we see when we're walking around? They're like, Oh, I remember that from when I was a kid, you know, we had that same rocking chair or Pyrex dish or like whatever. But then the flip side of that is that we also get that, those everyday objects that speak to the racist and problematic pasts that we have in this country too. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are on display in your neighborhood thrift shop. So what does that, what does that mean? Is it, is it necessarily a a mirror onto the local world? Like is, are we going into people's living rooms and their dens or when we're walking through these thrift shops and seeing a very sort of micro uh, perspective of the the real objects that people have had in in their houses Mm -hmm. that people that live in the community. Um, You know, we don't know how far a lot of these vendors are going to purchase their things. um, If they're buying their stuff, you know, far and wide, or is it, if it's coming from local sources, or if it's their own stuff as collectors that they have been collecting mm-hmm. um, for a long time and then now have decided to sell. It is certainly a, a kind of um, an, an interesting perspective as to the human condition when you're seeing all these symbols like swastikas and um you know the little sambo figurines and stuff displayed out there um for people to look at and to you know obviously they're doing that so people can buy them right right exactly and they wouldn't have those things out if there wasn't a market for them right if there weren't people who didn't want to buy them for whatever reason yeah there was an interesting uh, article that came out um called Antique Dealers See Controversial African-American Memorabilia as Part of History. And so part of that is looking at uh, some of the, and speaking to some of the antique shop dealers that are selling this kind of thing and who is buying it. And so when, in particular, some of the racist um, memorabilia is mostly being bought by white folks. Um, and um, But there is a gentleman that runs the Jim Crow Museum of Racist Memorabilia at Ferris State University in Michigan and opened about five years ago um, to document a lot of those uh, racist Mm -hmm. um, relics from, uh, you know, that were originally started being made immediately following the Civil War Mm -hmm. to kind of reinforce those those extremely racist um, stereotypes. And so... uh, it's really interesting because he's saying that, yes, these things do have a place, uh, but it's all about the context in which right. they are, um, in which they're being displayed and, and shown. And so that without that context, you just have a very racist object. So that's really similar in, in impact to 
the um, Confederate war statues, right? It's all about the context in which these things are. Right, and that's the thing. Like when you see these objects in an antique shop or the flea market or whatever, there is no context for them. They're just all together like in a display case. I mean, how many... How many like little display cases did we see where there was a bunch of like Nazi insignia right. and like, you know, objects like that yeah. too. And they're just, you know, out there for people to buy, um, whether they're going to buy it because they disagree with it and they want to like contextualize those objects like the gentleman you were talking about with the Jim Crow Museum mm-hmm. or they want to buy because they for the opposite reason right yeah yeah Yeah. you have to wonder about um you know the vendors is personally speaking for myself um i i would not want to have anything like that in my house right um regardless of the 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 contextual base for it but he um the gentleman that runs the the jim crow museum donald galori um, he says, if it is anything other than learning the context or teaching about it, why would you want something that offensive or that overtly offensive in your home? Um, so he's saying it's really these things should only be viewed as teaching tools. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I remember growing up and a, a friend's a, a, a buddy, his mother collected these these um, these racist memorabilia and her entire house was filled with them. Her entire house. Oh, my God. Every, like, it was statues, wall hangings, um, huge, huge pieces, like, huge, like, floor sculptures. Um, but why? Like, why? She That's was from a... New Orleans, and so oh. she thought it was part of, she was originally, and all of her people were from Louisiana. And so she 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 saw it as part of the culture that she grew up in. And she was a, you know, an upper middle class white woman. Right. Um, so I, I remember even as a even as a middle schooler, you know, walking into her house and seeing all this stuff and cuckoo clocks and, you know, just every and some of them were really offensive, you know, with, you know, pointing to particular parts of the anatomy and just just really wild stuff. And so I, I, I have to agree with uh, Donald Gulori about from the Jim Crow Museum that they're super offensive. And why would you want something like that in your right. house yeah. unless you were using it as a, as a teaching tool? And places like the Jim Crow Museum um, really fit that need. Yeah. So he can collect them. We'll let it. If you want to see him, go there. Right. Or apparently to the Webster. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so we're going to wrap it up, wrap up this episode. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just like to say to whoever drops off all the clothes from anthropology at the Cortez Road Goodwill, <laughs> thank you. Not all heroes wear capes. And um, I really appreciate it, That's especially because so we, we wear the same size. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and whoever is bringing all the camo things to the Goodwill in Gainesville, just come on. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Nobody needs camo in Gainesville. <laughs> <laughs> um, we would like to thank everybody for listening. It, please go to all of our many uh, social media. We're on all the social medias, Instagram and Facebook. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean and Spotify. We'd like to thank the Florida Public Archaeology Network, Central Region and West Central Region, um, and all the FPAN peeps out there. Um, Big thank you to Terry and Kim Kim 
um, for being on <laughs> impromptu interview yes, on the material. Yes, thank you. It was so t- nice it getting was really to talk funny. to you. You're um, very sweet. I shouldn't have eaten 12 mini donuts. That yeah. was a mistake. I thank think. you to the mini donut booth <laughs> at the Webster Flea Market for making us eat mini donuts <laughs> we'd like to thank um have gone will travel for our intro music silver in the age of opulence used by permission thank you to the listeners and um thank anybody you else? to all the stuff out there yeah thank you thank you to everybody all right we'll catch you on the flippity flip i'm gonna pop some tags on living rooms bedrooms dinettes oh yeah you can find them at the market we talking about flea market montgomery it's just like it's just like a mini mall oh yeah come shop with us i said flea market montgomery it's just like it's just like a mini mall hey hey you heard me come shop living rooms bedrooms dinettes we got it you need it you'll find it it's just like it's just like a mini mall hey hey Montgomery, it's just like, it's just like a mini mall. Hey, hey, living rooms, bedrooms, dinettes. Oh, yeah, you can find them at the market. We're talking about flea market. Montgomery, it's just like, it's just like a mini mall. Hey, hey, don't stop. Let's make it a dance. Come on now, to the left, to the right. Let's do this dance. Hey, to the left, to the right. Let's make this a dance. Flea market, Montgomery. It keeps you jumping. It's just like, it's just like a mini mall. Check it out now, everybody. Like this now. Hey, hey. Flea market, Montgomery. It's just like, it's just like a mini mall. Don't stop. Let's dance. Flea market, Montgomery. It's just like, it's just like a mini mall. Let's bring it on down now. Just like you know what I'm saying. It's just like you know what I mean. It's just like you know it. So why don't you just come on and say it? It's just like it's just like a minimal. Uh-huh.